probably shouldn't share this story, but I'm going to anyway, so <laughs> I, uh, I had a dream last night. Yeah, we're going to start that way. I had a dream last night that, uh, <laughs> that I died. Yeah, we're starting this great. Okay. Yeah, I had a dream that I died, and I woke up, and I saw heaven, and heaven was miles away, and I could barely see it, but I could see it up there. But there was something coming down from heaven. It was, it was a ladder. It was coming all the way down to my feet. And these miles long. And I'm like, oh, this is going to take a while. But I'm looking up at it, and then I look to my right, and there's an angel. And the angel hands me a 10-foot piece of chalk. And he says, I need you to write every sin that you've ever committed on the steps as you walk up this ladder. And I'm like, oh, goodness, okay. All right, we're going to do this. So, you know, I start writing, start writing, and it's been hours on end, and I get to this point where I'm halfway through this piece of chalk, right? And I'm like praying, God, is there something I'm missing? Did I, like, did I be rude to my mom this many times? Or I got to write that down again? Okay, I'll write it down again. That's fine, okay. But is there anything else? And I'm just sitting there praying and thanking, and then, all of a sudden, I feel this intense pain on my hand. I'm like, what is going on? And I look up, and it's Pastor James coming down for more chalk. So, <laughs> so you know, in reality, um, <laughs> in reality, all those sins that, that I, I have committed and I have made are based on choices that I have made in my life. And, and as we recognize these, these grad students, as, as we see them take this, this next step and journey in their life, they're going to have to make a lot of hard choices where they're going to have to follow the Lord's instructions, right, and make sure that they are choosing the right path. Now, I'm excited to see where the Lord takes them. I'm excited to see what God um, does in their life. And it, and it really reminds me of my life as a kid in the church. I, I grew up in the church as a pastor's kid, PK, yeah. And I went through all of the ministry. I went through, um, I went through the children's ministry, the youth ministry. And one of the biggest things that I remember was when I was a sixth grade boy and I had a 12th grader be my small group leader. And I just saw him as a mentor to my life. And I remember not long after he graduated, um, he started claiming to be an atheist. And I didn't know how this would be possible. I didn't understand how someone could be in the church and be serving in the church like that and then just leave the church and choose to live their own lives without being firm in the faith. And then I... As I grew up in the ministry, I saw my own friends make the same decisions as I grew up. I think this is why I, I found Romans 12 to be one of my favorite, Romans 12, 1 through 2, to be one of my favorite passages, because it speaks into this and kind of gives us a game plan to build our relationship with Jesus personally. And so if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, um, go ahead and turn to Romans 12, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 and 2. 
And for context, this is Paul writing to the Romans, and he's encouraging us to live our lives worshiping God. And because of God's mercy on us, we are called to present our lives as a living sacrifice. So it says this, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, and he's referring to the church, so it is actually biblical to call someone a bro. I thought that was interesting. But by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And you can keep your Bibles open because I'm going to jump back into this many times. But before I get into this, I do want to pray. Um, so pray with me real quick. Father, I just um, I thank you for a time to be here. God, I thank you for a building that we get to meet. God, there is places around this world where it is not possible for people to freely come and, and learn about you, God, and preach about you, God. And so we have this freedom to be here and to hear from your word. God, I pray that, um, that we would be able to hear what you are calling us to do in our lives as we, as we dive in and we dig into these two passages, God. We love you and we thank you so much for being here. In your name I pray, amen. All right, so like I said, Paul is writing to live our lives worshiping God. And he says to, li- to present our, our, our lives as a living sacrifice. This is not just like a one-and-done sacrifice like we see in the Old Testament. This is a constant sacrifice. Being holy and acceptable, acceptable to God. So, so what does it mean to be a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable? First, we got to know what being holy means. Being holy means to be set apart. We are setting ourselves apart from the things of this world. And then what does it mean to be acceptable to God? You know, the Old Covenant talks about how we are to, we are to sacrifice the best animal that we have. It has to be without blemish. We can't just choose the, any one of them we have. We have to choose the best that we have. But because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, we no longer have to do that. So there's a difference now that no longer, we no longer have to do sacrifices, but we have to present ourselves completely to the Lord in all that we do. And so the only acceptable worship is to offer ourselves completely to him. And so in these two passages, we're going to see Paul demand us to do a few things. Looking at at it real quickly, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. The first thing that Paul demands us to do is to give God our body. We are to give God our body. And then if we keep reading, it says, Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So we're supposed to give God our mind, our thoughts and desires. And then lastly, as we keep reading, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We're supposed to give God our will. Our plans, our decisions, our desires, we need to give these to him because it is no longer our will but his. So 
We know that these are the three things that God has called us to do, but how are we supposed to accomplish this? Well, Paul tells us this in verse, verse 2. Going back to it, it says, do not be conformed to this world. So the first thing out of the three points I want to make today is to reject worldly things. To reject worldly things. And when he says, do not be conformed, conform means to adapt, to follow, to obey worldly things, meaning beliefs and values. And Paul is writing to the Romans at this point because they are allowing their lives to reflect the world and they needed to stop. And I think an example of conforming the world to us would be to take the easy road, to take the easy route. You know, I have found it to be pretty easy sometimes, and maybe you can relate with me, that when you're at fault, you want to make some kind of excuse to, to the reason why that happened, right? You want to say, well, I just, you know, this was going on, and I'm sorry, I just didn't know. And that's the easy route. And sometimes the truth is you just need to own up to what you've done. So I think this is a challenge from Paul that can relate to all of us. There are places in, in our lives that we are conforming to the world, and we are allowing the world to control us. If the world is controlling our thoughts, we are conforming. If we are taking the easier route, we are conforming. This passage, I think, um, there's a great example of, of following the Lord's instructions in this passage that some, uh, for something that happened quite recently. I don't know if, you, if you've heard about it, but there was a gym teacher called Tanner Cross, and he's a gym teacher in Loudoun County, which is northern Virginia, and they were having a board meeting, and they were saying that transgender students should be called by their desired pronouns. And then Tanner, out of his freedom of speech at this board meeting, said that that was against his religion, and then he was suspended. He has now been reinstated, but he's waiting for full, a full trial to be held. But I think that is just a prime example of him not taking the easy route. And during the hearing, he said, I'm a teacher, but I serve God first. And I will not affirm that a biological boy can be a girl, and vice versa, because it is against my religion. It is lying to a child. It is abuse to a child. He took the path that he knew as a believer he was called to take. And even though he followed the Lord's instructions, there was never a promise that the end of that choice, that end of that path would be light here on, on earth. You know, quite frankly, he did what he was called to do, and he's getting so much hate right now. People are writing articles, people are commenting on all of stuff, just writing hateful messages. I sat there and read something for like 10 minutes, I couldn't take it. And like, this is the hatred that he's getting from the world. But I think that just goes to show that he was following the Lord's instructions. If the world's going to hate on him, he knows he did something right. So, I think he is a, a primary example of the challenges that will come our way as followers of, followers of Christ and how intense this world can be. I think the world can also try and influence it in, in smaller ways. The things that you wouldn't notice Certain things can be like the music that we listen to. The artists that, that, that we love, they, they'll write things that you would never like, really think about until you actually listen to the lyrics. 
And then you have to think, what is he actually trying to tell me right now? You can look at TV shows and what they're trying to push in those episodes. There's time and time again that we'll have shows that we're watching, my family's watching, and we'll get to a point where they're pushing something so hard to be acceptable that we just have to, have to remove it. We can't watch it anymore. We can look at movements that are being happen, happening, the protests that are happening, and what they actually stand and believe in. Sometimes you have to really take note and understand what are they actually pushing. And then I think one of the biggest things is social media. You have all these people who have a platform where they can say whatever, and, and they're these famous actors, actresses, just people with a lot of followers, and people idolize them to the point where no matter what they say, they're saying, this person has obviously made it in life, so they know what they're saying, so it must be true. We have to be careful about the little things to make sure we are not conforming to the world because the world will make the smaller, seems, smaller things seem like it's not going to have that much of an impact on us. So we have to reject the worldly things. And then the second thing is this. We have to replace with the word. So if we look at verse 2 again, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So instead of conforming to this world, we need to let God transform and renew our mind with his word. Psalm 119, 9 verses 10 says this, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. And I think... It's so vital to, to remember that replacing worldly things with the word is how the Holy Spirit chains our, changes our mind and our thinking. And it's also important to realize that these two points, reject and replace, go together, and they are so important to have both. You cannot just reject and you cannot just replace. You have to reject and then you need to replace. Because after you reject something, you must replace it with something else before it comes back. And I think there's a prime example of this if you um, want to turn to Matthew 12, verses 43 through 45. Matthew 12, 43 through 45. And once again, for, for context with this, this is Jesus sharing a parable. And he's, and he's talking about a man who's had a demon cast out of him. And he didn't replace the evil with good. So he says this. He says, When the unclean spirit had gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. And then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the person is worse than the first. This is important. So also will it be with this evil generation. He talk, Jesus talks about how the demon comes back with friends. 
and he realizes that the, the house is empty and swept, so this person had rejected it, but he never replaced it with good. So if we do not replace the things of the world with the things of the Lord, the things of the world will easily make its way back into our lives, but this time it will be a lot worse. So we need to replace these things with the Word, but how do we do that? We can't just simply read the Word. We have to do more than that. There's a few things that we can do. We need to study it. We need to study the Word. What is the context of this passage? What is going on here so I better understand this passage? We need to meditate on it. What is this passage really saying? Then we need to pray about it. God, what are you trying to teach me through this passage? And then we need to memorize it. This is something that you should read every day to the point where you know it by heart. And there's no questioning what it says and what it's saying to you and what God is trying to teach you. And at this point, because you know what God is calling you to do, you need to apply it. You know what you need to do, so do it. The last thing is this. You need to receive God's way. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what, the, what is the will of God, what is ex, uh, good, acceptable, and perfect. We need to receive the will of God. We need to receive God's way because it's no longer about us. We need to look at what's good and acceptable and perfect in God's eyes and follow that path. And we can do this through prayer. For example, if Pastor James hadn't told me that he was going to be gone this weekend, I would have never known that I was going to preach today, and so therefore there would be no one up here today. And in the same way, we can never expect to know what God's will is for our life if we never talk to him about it. So I have a challenge for us all. I have a challenge to the seniors as you head into adulthood. I want you to take this seriously. As I grew up, and and I still hear these statistics to this day, and I don't really know where it's at. I don't want to tell you uh, an actual statistic percentage, but I I can tell you I've heard from 60 to 80% of the youth leave the church after they graduate and they don't return. So I ask you, will you continue to live a life of worship for the Lord as you start this new journey? And then there's a challenge for the rest of us. The rest of you who are in here, you're you're either students or you graduated a few years ago, we'll say (laughs) Maybe you hear this and and you realize that you are not actually living a life of worship. I'm here to tell you that it's never too late. I wish that I could tell you that, you know, after I saw my mentor um, as a sixth grader, my, my small group leader, like after seeing him leave, and, and never take the faith as his own, as his own, and then see my friends leave and never take the faith as their own. I wish I could tell you that I didn't do the same, but I did. 
I grew up in the church. I knew everything. If you gave me a test and said, here's, here's the test, here's the exam, just answer these, it was, I could sit there and answer it. I could say, yeah, this is it, check, 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 check. But I, like, it didn't ever click why. Why is this that answer? I had head knowledge, but I didn't have heart knowledge. I grew up in the church. I started, in, in the youth, I started playing guitar, and then I, I played drums. I played acoustic and, and led worship. And then I got to this point where I graduated, and I decided that I was going to do graphic design. I decided that that's what I was going to do. I was going to follow that. I was going to do graphic design. I was going to do community college. I was in a class. Um, I was in a biology class that tore me to pieces. And I was leading worship at a church about an hour away from where I lived. And I, I remember having this song that every time I played, I'm, I'm playing by myself on stage, playing guitar, singing, and um, I just remember there was this one song that just made me break every time I sang it. And I, I couldn't figure out why that was happening. I just felt like maybe I was just getting emotional. And there was, in my biology class, I had three classmates that did all the um, projects and stuff with me. And, and they clearly were open about living lives that Scripture teaches very against. And so they hated this, and they hated that I thought I followed this. And so every class, we would debate. They would challenge me and bring questions to me and push me. And eventually I, I, I broke. Where I got to the point where we had a 15-minute break. It was a three-hour class. Oof, those are awful. I hated those. Uh, but we had a 15-minute break, and we sat outside, and they just tore me to pieces. And we were out there for maybe an hour, got back into the class, and they're like, where have y'all been? But I came home just in tears thinking, why can't I defend this faith that I thought I knew and I thought I followed. Like, why is it so hard for me to stand up for this? Why can't I defend this? And you would think that because of what they were doing, because they were pushing that on me, that I would turn away. But I got up on stage and <laughs> smart me played that song again on Sunday. I thank the Lord that I did. And I broke down again, and then it, it, it hit me. I'm singing this song, that, and it was, it was saying, here's my heart, Lord. Here's my life, Lord. But I hadn't given it to him. And this whole time, I'd just been living this life of, of saying, I know who God is, but I don't know him personally. You know, I, I know who some of these these famous people are, I know about them, but I don't know them personally. I don't have a relationship with them. I know who they are. I could tell you about them. I could tell you the, the music that they, they, they have made and some of the songs I like, but I've never met them. They don't know me. I didn't know Jesus personally. And so <laughs> I had to get off stage, finish the song, get off stage, go to the pastor and give my life to the Lord. And that was October 11th, 2015. 
I was making the decision to, to go and do graphic design. I was making the decision to, to go to community college. And God had other plans, which is why I'm here. At, the point, at that point, God pulled me to, to ministry, and, and I never wanted to see another student make that same mistake that I did, where I, I didn't give my life to the Lord, and it, and it didn't click for me. But on that day, I finally realized that God, God loves me, and God loves you so much. He created you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. It is, he loves you so much that you cannot even understand it. You think about the person that loves you the most that doesn't even match it at all. It doesn't even, it's not even on the spectrum. And he wants to have a relationship with you, but because of those choices that I have made in my life, the choices that I have made that were against God because I was being selfish, I can no longer have that relationship with him because I broke it. But God loving me, even though I've made so many mistakes in my life daily, God loving me sent his son down to to live a perfect life, 100% human, 100% God, and then to be brutally beaten to the point where he could not be recognized and then put on a cross where they took the nails and they jammed it in between his hands and they took his feet jammed a nail in between his feet, and then you stand there and you suffocate. And he just sits there and he pushes up against that nail to get breath. And he did that for me. He did that for you. And then he did the unthinkable. He defeated death. He he rose from the grave. And he created a way for us to have a relationship with him. He paid the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. And as Ricky comes up and, and, we, and we close, I want to give you a time to respond. Maybe you're here today and, and, and you feel like there's a, a place in your life that you're not giving to the Lord. I know there's places in my life that I struggle with that. Like, God, I... I I've given this part of my life to you, but I still kind of want to do this. I still kind of want to hold on to this. I still find joy in this. But in reality, you know you need to give it up. In reality, you know you are not living, giving your body as a, a living sacrifice completely to God. Maybe you're here today and you realize that, Nate, I just, I realize that I don't think I've connected the dots. I've heard these things and, and I've never actually put my faith in Jesus. So as we go into this time of, of an invitation, I'm going to be standing down here. If, if you need to kneel down and you pray right there, do it. If you need to go and talk to someone in this room and make things right with them, do it. If you need to come and talk to me, Come and talk to me, but make this time a time to get right with the Lord.